Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware and Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps businesses and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm with, with, uh, based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia. Brady are sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta per social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So this is the second of a sub-series of topics regarding how to address the coronavirus crisis from the executive decision maker's uh, perspective. And uh, in our last uh, discussion, we heard from Justin and Jody Daniels, who talked about the unique challenges that are that we confront in terms of data security and privacy when we move on mass to a remote working environment. And today, we're going to move to the issue of management and leadership itself from a remote management environment. So, full disclosure, I- I've been I've been working largely from my home for the last 10 years or so. So as it turns out, I'm kind of used to this thing. This whole virus has, has forced me into something that I would prefer to do anyway. Um, but one thing that I, I had to learn as I did this is I learned that I had not just to work differently, but you also have to manage differently and lead differently because um, that, that physical space means something. The, the technology that has evolved over the last 25 years that enables us to work well remotely is of a, a blink of an eye in comparison to the, to the evolution of humanity that makes us want to be together in the same cave, in the same herd, in the same hunting group, uh, in the same tribe that makes us work together, build together, and, and, and grow together. And if you are somebody who is suddenly thrust into the necessity to manage teams uh, remotely. Maybe you've even been opposed to them. Maybe you've been a person that really has believed in FaceTime and you're a person that really thrives on, that needs, that craves that personal connection. You know, with all of the, um, all that's been written to tell employees how they can transport their jobs home, I don't think enough attention is given to the managers and leaders that suddenly have to figure out how to lead when they can't even, in many cases, see the faces of the people that they're leading and don't have the same nature of contact. So uh, I think this is a very interesting topic. We're going to get into the weeds here, and I hope that if you're in the, in the position of being a manager or leader that is thrust into this, this uh, unprecedented scenario, that this topic is going to uh, be helpful. So um, Joining us today is, uh, is a great expert on this topic. Bruce Talgan is CEO of Rainmaker Thinking, uh, a research training and consulting firm in New Haven, Connecticut, and Rainmaker Learning, an online training resource. He is internationally recognized as one of the foremost experts on leadership and performance management in the workplace. 
Bruce is the author or co-author of 20 books, including his best-selling It's Okay to Be the Boss, the classic Managing Generation X, that's me, his popular Not Everyone Gets a Trophy, How to Manage the Millennials, and the 27 Challenges Managers Face, Step-by-Step Solutions to Nearly All of Your Management Problems. His newest book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, is due for release in the summer of 2020 from Harvard Business Review Press. Bruce's work has been the subject of thousands of news stories around the world, and he has written for the New York Times, USA Today, Training Magazine, HR Magazine, and the Harvard Business Review. Bruce also lectures regularly at the Yale School of Management and other business schools. Bruce holds a six-degree black belt, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, in Uechi Ryu Karate. Yeah, you can just say karate. (laughs) Okay. Making him a master in in that style. Uh, Interesting enough, his wife, Debbie Applegate, won the 2007 Pulitzer Prize for her book, The Most Famous Man in America, about the 19th century minister, Henry Ward Beecher. Bruce, thanks so much for coming on the program. Wow, thanks so much for having me. That's, uh, that's quite an introduction. Thanks for mentioning my book. Well, you know, I am a, um, I, need to, I have some books in me that I need to get out, and I'm so admiring of people who have managed to do that. And I think a lot of that is ruthless time management. And we've actually had somebody come on the podcast, B. Ray, talks about, should I write a book? How do you do it, et cetera. So I won't pepper you with questions that are off topic about that, but I, will, I must express that the fact you've been able to create so much thoughtful content, um, well done to you, sir. Well, I'm doing my best. Uh, uh, if anyone who wants to write a book, I always recommend, uh, our agent has a great book called Thinking Like Your Editor. Her name is Susan Rabiner. That's a, a book worth reading. And I am going to make a quick note of that. So everybody on the podcast world can just wait for a second. Write <laughs> that quickly. There we go. Um, so before we get started, I'm curious. You know, you've created so much content. You 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 uh, have a book that um, uh, is it coming out later this year? Yeah, yeah, it's coming out due in late in summer. It's coming what out in July. That? If there's still a world, <laughs> oh, there'll still be a world. Whether anybody reads it or not, we'll see. But. Um, there'll be a world for sure. But my question is, what do you think the next book after that will be? Well, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, the book that's coming out in July, it's called The Art of Being Indispensable at Work. And it's about uh, how to handle the incredible pressure that everybody's been under. Everyone's been so overcommitted, scrambling and trying to manage relationships up, down, sideways and diagonal. Um, that's what, uh, the book is about. And what we're always doing research on the front lines of the workplace. And we're always trying to figure out, um, you know, what can we, uh, glean from the research that could be a value add for folks. So I, I'm not sure what will come next. Okay. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe how to manage remotely. <laughs> maybe I have, a, I have a feeling that book would do very well. Yeah. So, um, we're all sort of sailing along and all of a sudden we have run into a hurricane that nobody really, I I guess some people saw it coming, but most of us sort of person on the street really didn't see coming. I don't think we saw it getting to this point. How do managers, how do managers themselves ground, right? Because if, if you're freaking out, if you're losing it, it's really hard to lead others and be a source of stability and safety unless you yourself ground, right? So how do you do that when you feel yourself like you just want to throw your hands up and run in a circle screaming? 
Yeah, I think you're, uh, that's very true, uh, what you're saying. You know, I always say to people, the first person you have to manage every day is yourself. And uh, sometimes when we're doing leadership seminars, uh, you know, it takes a little while for somebody in the room to have the guts to say what you just said. Um, it, because that's the sort of acknowledgement of the human element. Uh, you know, people are feeling so out of control right now. Um, when you're, when you're in, operating in an environment of uncertainty, uh, what it, it's really a feeling of a lack of control. And uh, so what I always say to folks is, uh, remember, if you focus on what you can't control, then you render yourself powerless by definition. Uh, so the first thing you have to do is focus on what you can control, and that's you, and try to help your people stay focused on what they can control, and that's them. But I think the most important thing is to be authentic uh, and, and, and don't pretend. It's, it's natural to be worried right now. It's natural to be uncertain. It's natural that people are feeling out of control. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, but it's also the case that somebody's got to be in charge. In this case, that's you. Uh, and, and, and people need you now more than ever. Yeah, and, and there's, there's no playbook for this, right? There's, there's practically nobody alive who remembers the influenza outbreak of 1918, right? And certainly nobody in a decision-making capacity. And, you know, I want to I ask you about, you know, 2008 and even back to 2000 with the first dot-com crash. You know, what are the parallels with then and, and now? And then what's also different? Yeah, I mean, the parallels, of course, are that people are genuinely worried about their livelihoods. Uh, if you remember the 90s, as you and I do, <laughs> yep. maybe not everyone listening. Some people were in the third grade or whatever. They've but, read about it. Right. But back in the 90s, you know, it was peace and prosperity, magical business models, right? A foosball table in every teaming space. Remember? And, and, and then all of a sudden. Class A office space in Manhattan. That's what <laughs> I remember. Right. And then, you know, everything's going to be great. And then, nope, boom, all over, never mind, uh, crash, everything's terrible. And then quite literally crash because, you know, 9-11 uh, followed right on that. And, um, and so for a long time, I mean, I think 9-11 is a better parallel just than the economic crash because people were so scared. Uh, you know, an economic crash is, is, is frightening. Uh, it, it, it has... Uh, a huge effect on people. Uh, you know, some people, they live paycheck to paycheck. Many people do. Uh, they're worried about feeding their families. What am I going to do? Um, and so not to minimize uh, the concerns about economic uh, uh, frailty, but I think, you know, after 9-11, people thought, well, gee, are terrorist attacks going to happen all over the place now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And remember the anthrax uh, scare happened shortly after that. Yeah. And so when people are genuinely afraid for their safety and the safety of their loved ones, um, I think, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's more like a war, uh, but it's like a neutron bomb, right? Because it's, it's just poison. And, and uh, so 2008, 9, 10, I mean, it seemed like, gee, maybe we're, we're heading for another depression. Uh, but, but of course, it turned out that the 
uh, economic system was more resilient um, with the help of, of a government bailout. And uh, of course, now the government is all of a sudden found a couple trillion dollars that uh, didn't, you know, drop. Oh, there it is. A couple. Tri- oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, no problem. <laughs> Here's a couple trillion dollars. Um, but, but the problem now is that uh, it's not just financial. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever seen anything like this. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. And so what I'm doing is every single day I'm thinking, okay, how can I make myself stronger? How can I make my mind stronger? How can I make my body stronger? How can I make my spirit stronger? And then what can I do to add value for someone else? And first and foremost, what can I do to add value for my family? Uh, Second, what can I do to add value for my team, the people who uh, are part of my business, uh, who rely on me? Uh, and then what can I do to add value for my clients uh, who rely on me for advice? And, you know, every day, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to focus on what I can control. Um, and, and I'm trying to help my team focus on what they can control. And, uh, and that's the advice I'm giving to my clients uh, is what is not going to change your mission and your values, uh, and what can you control today? Uh, you set yourself up for success and set your people up for success. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't know what else we can do. You know, I think you're right. I think that, that the, the 01, September 11th, is actually a more apt analogy because – there's an ambient fear. There's an environment around that is not just economic. And at least there for a week, everybody, everything sort of shut down, right? And, yeah. and we had to, we, everything was outside of our comfort zone. It wasn't just being unemployed. It was, it was everything. How do you keep yourself safe, right? And, and now we're outside of our comfort zone because you know, we're probably having to take care of ourselves medically in a way that, we might not necessarily do. And in my case, I have a nine-year-old, so we have to learn how to homeschool on the fly. And his teachers need to learn how to home teach on the fly. And I have team members that have homeschooling obligations now and, and, and trying to, to balance that. And, and you're right. I think, I think, you, I think there is that, that difference. And at least one way I, I respond to it is I try to keep, a wave of empathy up as much as I can. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I'm curious if you agree with that, but everybody right now is frazzled and we're only one week into this in most States. If, if this continues through Easter or later, I'm not sure that I agree that this is going to be over by Easter. People are going to get frazzled and frayed and really stretched to their limits. And they're going to rely on us more than ever to be that rock of stability. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad to use the term empathy. Um, I think sympathy and empathy uh, uh, are both, you know, I, I'm somebody who often tells business leaders, look, uh, it's not your job to be somebody's pastor, their best friend, their therapist, uh, and you're not qualified to do that. Uh, but wow, this is really bringing the human element uh, to the fore in a way that, um, that uh, is different. 
when I, when I'm out, uh, I was out yesterday running in the neighborhood and, you know, it's so odd. You, you, you see people out there, they cross the street, you know, and if they don't, then you cross the street or I cross the street. Like you don't, you know, and you look at them and, and, and you sort of nod and smile and, and it, nobody takes offense. It's just sort of, uh, yeah, wow, you're out here being a human being and we better steer clear of each other. And it, it's just, it's so peculiar. Um, but I, 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 so I think, you know, I, I say that because I was trying to think of my own moments of empathy in the last 24 hours. And, and, and I, I had that, that gut feeling of, I, yeah, of course you're crossing the street. Not because I, because you, you don't want to be infected by me. <laughs> or they don't want to infect you. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly, right? exactly. So now this, does, does, does this environment as a, as a manager and as a leader, particularly remotely, does that force us to kind of change our priorities, right? I, th I think you're, you're an advocate of something called a stop, start, and continue list, which I think is a priority set. How, yeah. do, you, how do you reformulate that and, you know, now, that, now that the martini's been totally shaken? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things that I've been doing is looking at our research on organizations where uh, uncertainty is a regular part of their day-to-day -day routine. Uh, so we may be facing uncertainty today in a way uh, on a wholesale level that, that, that none of us are accustomed to. But there are a lot of people who what they do for a living uh, is they manage uncertainty. Uh, and, and so uh, the, the sort of pillars are every day you say, all right, what are our anchors? What's never going to change as far as we can tell? And then what's changing right now? And, and, and how do we adapt? And the way we adapt in the moment is, uh, what are we going to stop doing? Uh, what are we going to start doing? What are we going to continue? Um, and it's just a very quick reset in terms of your daily execution priorities. Um, and, you know, uh, in, in downtown, what organizations do and what people do who have to be accustomed to uncertainty in downtime what they do is they try to anticipate uh, contingencies and, and prepare for them and prepare their people for them and even scrimmage uh, or, or drill on those contingencies. But what most, uh, what most uncertainty masters know uh, is that they're going to run into things they didn't anticipate. So then they extrapolate from that stuff. Um, but, but, you know, there's, it's one part anticipate and prepare, and it's one part adjust in the moment. And uh, adjust in the moment, it's like today, uh, is, what are we going to stop doing today? Uh, what are we going to start doing? Uh, what do we need to continue? And, and how, how do we proceed on that? And, and um, you know, part of that adjustment, too, is, is, it, is it also kind of understanding part of that empathy, I guess, but also understanding that the employees are undergoing massive adjustments, too. Um, learning how to work. You know, not everybody wants to work from home. Not everybody is in a great environment to do that. You, know, you may have an employee that is, that is great at work, but then they go home and they're a young married couple with a kid in a one-bedroom apartment and, and, and then trying to work in that environment, right? I mean, you, you can imagine how emotionally and intellectually challenging that is. We, yeah, and we kind of have to make leeway and allowances for that too, right? My advice there is a blanket fort. 
<laughs> for you, the kid. Well, yes. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, uh, I, I often joke uh, that, you know, people uh, until recently, uh, they want to work from home because the dog gets lonely at home and they want to be there with the dog or, you know, uh, 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 the kid or whatever it is. Uh, they want to be able to do their laundry. Uh, you know, some people, they, they, they're accustomed to having a routine uh, for working at home. But what I always tell managers is, yeah, you need to manage yourself. You need to figure out what your routine is going to be. And then uh, try to talk through with your people, hey, what's your routine going to be? And you have to be a little bit careful because, uh, you know, some people will be, they, they, think, they think it's a snow day. Yeah. Well, so, oh, we're just on hold. Um, and, and so you have, to, you have to talk them through that. Um, no, we've got to stay focused. We've got to get stuff done every day. And it may be very different stuff than what we've been getting done in the past. Some of it's going to continue. There may be new stuff we have to do. Uh, I mean, I'm in the business of going around to auditoriums packed full of people and, and speaking from a stage. I yeah. sell hot air to rooms full of people. <laughs> you know, how'd you like to be in that business, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, so, you know, okay, we need to get really good at doing webinars, I guess. And um, uh, so, so that's something we're going to start doing. Uh, what am I going to stop doing? Going to the airport, uh, at least for a while. What am I going to continue doing? Uh, interviewing people, studying the data, uh, trying to glean insights and trying to find good ways to share those insights with our clients. Um, so everybody, that formula is going to be different for everybody. But I, but I think what, what the, one of the common denominators that we're all grappling with um, is uh, doing this in our shelter in place. And as you say, some people, their shelter in place um, is more amenable or less amenable to work. Um, you know, look, even the reality is a lot of people in the workplace, they get interrupted all day long. Uh, a lot of people in the workplace, they don't have a moment for focused execution. I mean, some people, they come in at 5 a.m. or they stay into the night or they say, when I go home, is the only time I get stuff done. Uh, right. So whether you're in the workplace or at home, uh, you need to set yourself up for success. That means every day you need to choose your execution priorities. It means you need to make time for structured communication who am I going to, who do I need to talk with today? Uh, it means you need to have good conversations and document those conversations and you need to make time for focused execution for getting stuff done. Um, and, and that's true whether you're a leader, manager, supervisor, or whether you're an individual contributor. Uh, but if you're a leader, manager, supervisor, then other people are looking to you to make decisions. Other people are looking to you to, help set priorities. Other people are looking to you uh, to solve their resource needs. Other people are looking to you uh, to problem solve. Uh, other people are looking to you for guidance and direction and support. So, um, you know, I think leadership matters. And uh, uh, I think it's a contact sport. And boy, it just got a lot harder because the only points of contact now are going to be uh, through uh, FaceTime or email or uh, telephone. And, 
but you know, you can't, you've got to, as you say, empathy, you've got to put yourself in the position of the people who, who are counting on you and, and try to ask them, Hey, you know, do you have a space where you can work? Do you have a routine? What, uh, do, are you, what, how are you going to set your hours? Um, uh, you got to give people some real flexibility. When, when are you going to do your job? How are you going to do your job? Uh, you know, what, what challenges are you facing? What do you need from me? Yeah. And I think that last point, you know, I think, I think resonates because that, that puts you in a position of being, you know, a resource, which in you know, my view philosophically is the role of a leader is to be a resource. Um, yeah, and in that 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 vein, being a resource, and you touched upon this a little bit, but I do want to hit this. Some people are going to handle this environment better than others. Um, some people are going to have a really hard time simply being cooped up. Um, some people are going to have a hard time being cooped up with their family. Some people are going to have a hard time just simply having the background noise and a running tally saying, oh, five more people got infected, one more person died, right? And so, yeah, that's so true. Uh, it's like, it's, that it's last like a, in a horror movie. Yeah, it, right, it's like a movie. Um, except there isn't some closet that you know that you shouldn't open. That's, <laughs> that's the problem, yeah. right? So some people are going to handle that better than others. And when people aren't going to handle it as well, that doesn't make them bad. That just makes them human beings. Not everybody was, was born to serve in a nuclear submarine and be in a two-year mission under the Arctic Circle for a while, right? That's so, right. But in spite of the fact that, you know, we're not meant to be their advisors, their best friends, their pastors, their counselors, we are going to have more contact probably with our teammates than most of the outside world will. And so does that give us as leaders and as managers a special responsibility to kind of be on the lookout for signs that somebody may be weathering the storm, not as well as others. And if so, is there something that we can do to, to inquire and offer a hand without being intrusive? Does that question make any sense to you at all? It does. I mean, look, this is true. If the person's in the cubicle next to you, you look at somebody and they look, tired or they look bad or they look scared or they look, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and you have to walk this fine line of being human and being prepared to make accommodations for people if they need them. Uh, but also uh, recognizing that, uh, you know, some stuff is none of your business and, and you're not qualified, uh, to deal with that. I mean, look, one of the things I say to business leaders is, uh, sure, if, if, if you know, can see that somebody's struggling personally, uh, the question you have to ask yourself is, do you have resources to make available to that person? Now, sometimes you are that person's friend. My view is if you're somebody's boss and you're also that person's friend, that's a complication that you have to navigate. Yep. Um, and so maybe what you say is, hey, after work, let's go out for a soda. Now, right now, it's after work, let me call you and we'll have sodas in our remote locations and talk right. over the phone or something, you know, but, but, but somehow to try to have a, uh, to recognize that it's a different role. Uh, being your friend is a different role than, than being your, your boss, being your leader, your manager, your supervisor. And I agree with you. Uh, it's, 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 it's being a resource is a big part of it. Um, look, I mean, what a lot of managers are worried about right now uh, is not 
necessarily the emotional well-being of their people. It's, gee, well, they're at home. How do I know they're working? Uh, and and that's the that's the other side of the equation. It's like the police, the policing part. And 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 I I I always say to leaders, look, you know, if somebody's sitting in a desk during certain hours where you can see them, that's a place that's place and time. Uh, that's actually a, a lazy measure of performance. Uh, that if you're a good leader, manager, supervisor, you should be drilling down anyway and and helping. You know, figuring out if people, uh, if if they know what to do, if they know how to do it, um, if they're if they're producing, if if they're getting stuff done at a, at a good rate of productivity, if they have good quality, um, you know, and 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 so if you're in a remote location, you can't see the body in a chair during certain hours, uh, you know, maybe that's going to help you get to be a better manager and. What you need to do is try to help people use their work time to, to succeed. Uh, so yes, yeah, some people are gonna be going stir crazy. Some people are gonna be feeling scared. Some people are gonna be distracted. Uh, help them stay focused on doing one concrete thing at a time. And the good news is, you, you know, you don't, I, I, you don't need to be a police, you don't need to be policing people. Helping them be effective and get stuff done and stay productive and 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 keep adding value is healthy, uh, and and it's and it's it, it is a much more appropriate role for a manager. Sometimes the best thing you can do if somebody's going stir crazy at home or if they're having a hard time being effective at home is help them be more effective at home. Help them be more effective and get more done. Then they'll have something to feel good about today. You bring up a couple of interesting points that I want to go back and, and hit on because I think they're so, I think they're so important and I think they're so insightful. You know, one, I do think there is an opportunity here for all of us to become better managers. And you're right, this seeing a butt in the cubicle is not a is not a measure of value, unless the value that you have is to be able to survey your empire. Right. If that's your source of value, then I guess, yeah, I see that. Right. But, but, but if, if you haven't been able to measure productivity already, right, then this is a great opportunity to force you. Right? Just in the old days, you and I are, well, I won't say you, I'm old enough that I remember taking <laughs> typing classes in high school. I did. And they, I did. I did. And they would give you a little piece of cardboard over the keyboard so you couldn't actually see your fingers. Yep. Right. And I knew if I was typing the right thing because I saw it on the piece of paper. Yep. is on a real typewriter, right? Exactly. That's, that's the way that we have to manage now. And I think that's actually, I think that's actually a good thing that, that, to, that's going to force us to develop, to develop that muscle. Um, yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, look, I say to managers all the time when they say, Oh, well, you know, uh, people want to work from home or, you know, they, or they're worried about people who want flexibility, right? Until, right. until a few weeks ago, uh, this was oh, people want flexibility, and 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 managers were worried that if they're not in a certain chair during certain hours, uh, that that they they couldn't manage them. And I would I, one of the things I like to do with a group of managers is say, okay, show of hands, what's more valuable to you? Somebody who gets a whole bunch of work done very well, very fast, uh, with good quality uh, and a good attitude, or somebody who's in a certain chair during certain hours. 
right? And nobody votes for a body and a chair during certain hours, right? Everybody votes for somebody who gets a lot of work done and at good quality. But then if you actually follow them around, they, they see the empty chair and they say, oh, where's that person? Where's that person? So uh, it, it, it's, it, this is a chance to, to start managing results, to start managing concrete actions, to start zeroing in on what people are doing and how they're doing it, uh, not, uh, more than where and when. So um, you know, w- one of the keys that we've kind of touched upon here is, is the importance now of, of being intentional about your communication because communication is no longer going to happen organically. You're not going to bump into somebody on video chat, most likely. Right. Um, so, so how? So, you've written about and, and talked about in other venues. I know about about over communicating and over communicating with prepositions, up, down, sideways, and diagonal. What does that mean? Well, uh, look, the way most people communicate in the workplace is they touch base. How's everything going? Everything on track? Any problems I should know about? They interrupt each other all day long. Uh, they see each other on email, they're in meetings every once in a while, and then what happens is problems hide below the radar, and then eventually, you know, sometimes they blow up, and then it's all hands on deck, firefighting, and then we go back to touching base, interrupting, and then seeing each other in meetings or on email. And, uh, you know, it's unstructured, unsubstantive communication is the rule for most people. Uh, and, and what we have found is that when you communicate with much greater structure and substance, things go better. Uh, so when I say up, I mean the first person you got to talk to uh, is your boss. You got to uh, get aligned. You got to make sure that you know what's changing today, what's staying the same. Uh, I've got too much to do, not enough time. What should I back burner? Uh, I need decisions made. I need priorities clarified. Um, I want to show you what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. Um, so, so, you know, align up then. Second is down. Anybody who reports to you for any period of time, uh, you owe it to them uh, to give them some time uh, to uh, help them get aligned, uh, to help them uh, make sure they know what priorities should come first, second, and third today, and what should go on the back burner. Uh, if they need decisions made, if they need resource planning, if they need problem solving, and then sideways and diagonal. Uh, so many relationships now are outside that chain of command. It's not just your boss. It's not just the people who report to you, but it's your sideways colleagues. It's somebody you need something from, but they don't report to you. You don't report to them. Um, uh, you need something from them, but they don't report to you. So uh, you, you, every, what, what I tell people is every single day you need to think about not just your schedule, not just your to-do list, but also your people list. Uh, who do you need to talk to today? Uh, and, and, and plan the conversation. Uh, what do you need to cover in that conversation? Uh, and then, um, and then give them a heads up. Uh, nobody's at their best when they're being interrupted anyway, right? Yeah. So, so there's so much communication that happens uh, in the ordinary workplace that's what I call, uh, uh, you know, management by interruption. We interrupt each other all day long. So, so you have to pull yourself out of what you're doing. Try to tune into the interrupter. 
Uh, what you really want to do is get back to what you were doing in the first place. Um, so, so a much better way is to plan and prepare your communication. Uh, so every single day, you know, start with, okay, what do I, what's my schedule today? What do I need to get done today? And who do I need to talk with? And by the way, nine out of 10 times, uh, if you, if you talk to those people, you're going to make adjustments in your schedule and your to-do list. So one of another disruption that I think doesn't get talked about enough is, uh, is the fact that, um, you know, we, we try to create offices that people want to be in, at least most, many companies do. Certainly we do at, at, at ours at, at Bradyware, and that's something I, I personally pay a lot of attention to. Um, you know, and, and there, they could be things as, as rudimentary as free Coke Zeros and snacks. They could be, you know, high-quality office chairs, ergonomic supplies, you know, whatever it, it, whatever it happens to be. And now those things are, are gone, right? And, and, and employees and team members are used to having those kind of creature comforts. You know, is, is there anything, that, anything realistic that we as leaders can do or think about doing if not, to, repl- if not to, to replicate those things, maybe to replace them with something else? You know, <clears throat> I, I'm not somebody who uh, focuses as much on the ping pong table, the pool table. Um, I, I do think what you want to do is create an environment where people have what they need, uh, where people are comfortable, where people want to be uh, at work, uh, where people can make themselves, uh, make it their own space. Um, and people really do care about workspace. Um, I mean, when people are at home, I mean, look, maybe we should be sending people rolls of toilet paper. I, I, I you know, that's the uh, new bonus program. Yeah. Right. The new bonus program. Uh, and, um, uh, I, I think that what people are going to be struggling with is staying focused and effective. Um, and, and knowing what to get done today. And, uh, and, and what to back burner and how to get their hands on the information they need, how to get their hands on the resources they need to get their work done. Uh, and as a leader, manager, supervisor, I think that's got to come first. Um, I think if you have the, the resources uh, to provide creature comforts, um, I, think, I think, okay, that, that's, that's good. Um, I, what most people care about the most is being able to get their work done and avoid unnecessary problems, uh, have the resources they need to get their work done so they can earn what they need to take care of their family. I think the second thing that people really care about is having more control over their own schedule. Yeah. And, and, and now uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the great irony. People are going to have so much control over their own schedule that they're going to need help uh, staying focused uh, and, and, and productive. This reminds me of a, of a Simpson cartoon. I haven't watched that show in forever, but I remember one where Homer Simpson somehow is sent into space. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. Sure, how. of course. Sure. Of course. <laughs> Perfectly plausible, right? Um, 
And as would be expected, he messed up the space shuttle and he, and he broke uh, some sort of ant farm experiment. And the ants start going crazy and they start doing their, their whatever language it is that ants speak. Um, and the subtitle says, you know, as they're floating in space, the subtitle says, freedom, horrible, horrible freedom. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that, right? When you're all of a sudden confronted with this, you don't realize it. It is a burden to cope with that and kind of wrestle the fire hose to the ground, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years, um, it's something that when, when people are having a hard time uh, managing their time, uh, a tool that we recommend using is a simple time log, which is just keeping track of your time, what, what, your activity and your time. Uh, you know, and, and you can do it as thoroughly uh, or as uh, you can do it very thoroughly. So every activity you start and stop, time, start, activity, time, stop. And, uh, you know, it's probably a good time to start keeping a time log so that you have a reality check. Uh, and, and after a couple of days, take a look and see how you're spending your time. Um, it's, it's a way to, uh, to start to see where are you wasting time? Uh, when are you getting stuff done? Uh, what's wasting your time? What's distracting you? Uh, so if, if you're having a hard time with all the freedom, uh, that, that's a, it's a, a very simple tool, just a piece of paper and a pencil is all you need. Uh, when you wake up, write what time you wake up and just start, start writing down what you do. Uh, it's, it's an incredible reality check for most people. And that's true in the best of times. Uh, and maybe during these times, it's a good way to, um, to, to, it's a good way to optimize this freedom and uh, learn a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, see where your strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to time management. So I want, I want to turn the conversation around a little bit and, and I'm recording, we're recording a podcast on Friday that's going to talk about best practices from the employee's perspective. Um, but I think one thing that gets overlooked is that leaders need care and feeding as well, right? As, as leaders, and you don't have to be a narcissist to think this way, but the feedback, the benefit that you, that you receive from the people that you lead is what we take our cues from that motivates us to take on the responsibility of leadership. And it's not easy. Um, and so I guess my, I guess my question is, is, is this, you know, to those of us, you know, maybe some of us are at the top of the food chain, so it doesn't apply, but others of us, myself included, you know, I do have other people to whom I report, even if there are very senior people, how, how, what, what do leaders need in terms of care and feeding as well to make them and what, how can employees kind of support leaders to make them feel empowered and effective? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the leader. If you happen to report to a narcissistic demagogue, then you should tell them how great they are all the time, I, I guess. Uh, but assuming that's not your particular burden, uh, <laughs> then uh, what, my, my advice to people is help your boss manage you. Uh, you know, do what you can to uh, create structured dialogue so that it's not all on the manager, the leader, uh, to, to create that structured dialogue. Uh, maybe suggest a time. 
maybe prepare in advance. Uh, send a note to your leader, manager, supervisor uh, 24 or 12 or six hours before the conversation and say, here are some decisions I need made. Uh, here are some problems I need help solving. Uh, here are some resources. Uh, I need some advice about how to get my hands on. Uh, here are my competing priorities uh, and my available time. Uh, I need help uh, setting these priorities. Um, here's my project that I'm working on, and here's my preliminary plan. Could you take a look? Um, uh, here is a, a recurring task or responsibility, and um, here's my standard operating procedure usually, but here's a change I think I'm going to make. Uh, I think that's, that's one way. Um, I think if uh, you have a leader, manager, supervisor who uh, has a hard time giving feedback, uh, then you can make it clear you want that feedback. Uh, if you have a leader, manager, supervisor who wants your feedback, uh, then, then be candid. Um, and I guess, you know, once in a while, uh, you can acquire, inquire about their well-being um, and tell them how great they are. <laughs> or not, that's fine. Yeah, but... Or not. Uh, yeah. And, and you're right. You're right. Every, everyone, everyone is different. But I, but I you know, I... I, I do think that that at least you know for some people you you you're you're in a leadership position because you want to lead people, and the benefit of of leading people um, when you have this barrier, you know that 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 connection is stressed. And I think your suggestions are good ones. You know the employee doesn't have an obligation to do that really you know necessarily. But I do think that you know if the if the employee has a desire to to make that relationship work, I think that's good advice to to facilitate that. Um, we're running out of time, but we have time for a couple more questions. And one I want to we, we touched upon a little bit, but I want to circle back on it hit ex, ex, uh, explicitly is um, uh, there are some good things that can come out of this whole thing, right? I mean, number one, it, you know, we talked about is developing different management skills and talents is a good thing that I think can and will come out of this. Can you think of any other positives from a leadership development perspective that may come out of this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, look, so what should happen in, in, in a management relationship um, is you should be engaged in regular structured dialogue with your people uh, whether they're sitting next to you or whether they are working from a remote location. So putting more structure and substance into your ongoing conversation, uh, that's step one. Step two, make sure that everybody who, who works for you understands the broad performance standards for their basic tasks and responsibilities. This is a good time uh, to check in on broad performance standards. Uh, and even though they may be changing, uh, uh, check in, make sure people understand what they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Uh, zero in on, on priorities. Um, make sure that people understand expectations. Uh, expectations are different from broad performance standards because broad performance standards are from now on, right? Expectations right. are today, tomorrow, this week. Uh, get better at helping people make plans. Get better at helping people set goals. And, and spell out guidelines and parameters for their goals. Uh, get better at helping people 
schedule their their concrete actions in time chunks. You know, uh, time motion uh, study goes way back uh, to Frederick Taylor, but you know, uh, help people understand exactly how do you do that and how long does it take you to do that? And, well, gee, if it takes you six minutes to do that, shouldn't you be able to do that 10 times in an hour or, well, nine times with a six-minute break? And, uh, okay, well, shouldn't that, you be able to do that 72 times in a day? Uh, well, okay, uh, uh, maybe 60, giving yourself a few deep breaths. And, um, you know, this is a time uh, when you can get better at uh, checking work in progress. Uh, it's a time when you can get better at um, uh, looking at uh, tangible results and evaluating uh, quality. Uh, this is a time when you and your direct reports can get better at um, helping them monitor their own work. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I've learned over the years is that in, in you know, in the workplace, uh, most managers only start keeping score for people. They only start really documenting performance once things start going wrong. Uh, well, maybe we should get better at keeping score for people when things are going average uh, and when things are going well. And not only that, but let's start helping people keep score for themselves. Uh, keep better track of what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, time log is one way. A checklist is another way. A plan is another way. Um, Take note of, of the tangible results you're creating um, and, and um, you know, get better at managing yourself and your time. Uh, I, I think this, it's also a time when, you know, you started earlier on in the conversation talking about empathy. Um, and so maybe this is a time where we can, uh, maybe we need to bookmark this and remember that we're all human. Uh, and that the human element is central. Uh, and maybe it's a time where, where we're all going to get more tuned in to the need to, to serve uh, and, and to add value and to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Uh, maybe that's, maybe, maybe, maybe some people are going to come out stronger, but let's hope. So I'm going to, I'm going to, ask you a, a, a patently unfair question, but I think that you can, I think that you can handle it. Uh -oh. And that, that patently unfair question is at some point this is going to end and we're going to return back to something. Maybe it's normal. Maybe it's not. Do you think when we, when we go back to what we looked like in terms of the workplace and organizational operation, say as of, January 1st, are they going to look like the same thing or do you think there are going to be some, some things that are a little different going forward? You know, I'm not a futurist and, um, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm very tied to data. So what, what's the data we're seeing? And, right. and I, I don't project out much from the data we're seeing. I can tell you, uh, one of my best friends is an anthropologist. Um, and uh, actually, did you say you're in Atlanta? Yes. Uh, he, 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 he teaches at Agnes Scott. Oh, okay. Two so, miles from where I live. Three yeah, miles yeah. from where I live. Um, and, uh, uh, and he's one of my best friends for, for many, many years. And, um, and he was saying, you know, just as an anthropologist, 
what's the likelihood that after all this, people are going to want to go back to uh, all of the norms? It, it may be that this has lasting change on people's willingness to congregate. Uh, and it, it, may, it may be that uh, I don't, what I don't think is that we can predict how this is going to change us. I do think we can predict we're not going to go back to the way things were. I think well, there are going to be big changes. Yeah, I think that's a fair answer. So, um, Bruce, this, this is a bigger topic than we can probably fairly address uh, in, in an hour, but I, I need to be respectful, of course, of your time. Um, how can people contact you for more information? Rainmakerthinking.com is the best way to contact us. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Bruce Tolgan. Uh, my email address is Bruce T at RainmakerThinking.com. Uh, I answer a lot of emails every day. And um, uh, one thing I can tell you, you know, in terms of my values and my mission, uh, my mission is to help leaders, managers, and supervisors provide guidance, direction, support, and coaching for their people. And, um, and that's not going to change. And uh, I, I want to help leaders stay in dialogue and, and provide that support that people need. Um, and my, my two mantras are structure and substance. Uh, create structured dialogue with your people. Uh, and if I can help in any way, you send me an email. Uh, I promise I'll respond and I type faster than I talk. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for today's program. I'd like to thank Bruce Tulligan of Rainmaker Institute so much for joining us and sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.